Welcome to the Fantastic Magic Center. I'm Kent Cummins, and I'm going to share the real secrets of magic. Pulling a rabbit out of a hat. Making a dove appear from nowhere. Making a live elephant disappear. Magicians have always done magic with animals. I haven't done as much. That's not been my specialty. But I thought it might be fun to talk a little bit about magic with animals and my experiences with them. When I was growing up, at least in the sixth grade for sure, we had a family of rabbits that lived outside and <laughs> became a bigger and bigger family and rabbit warrens all over the backyard. But I don't recall ever using one of those rabbits in my magic act. The first time I specifically remember, our family dog had puppies. And my mom said, you need to find a way to help us find homes for all these puppies. And we had one left. And I thought, well, what if I magically produced it at a magic show and then gave it to a, some kid in the audience? From my memory, that's exactly what I did. My dad worked for the Singer Sewing Machine Company. The stool that you sat on when you were working at the Singer Sewing Machine, the specific stool from the Singer Sewing Machine Company, had a little cushion top that came off underneath. There was a space to store stuff. Of course, we had one at our house that my mom used. It was, I don't know, about two feet by two feet, something like that. It occurred to me that I could make a doghouse. I would have made it, I'm sure, out of corrugated cardboard. I've talked more than a couple times in these podcast episodes about Victory Carton Illusions, which was a book that came out just around World War II because of the need to make magic props out of simple things like corrugated cardboard because uh, lumber and brass and some of the other things weren't available because of the war effort. And so up there probably was a magic doghouse in the book. All right, I just turned off my microphone and went back into my library. Well, I'm in the library. That's where we broadcast these episodes. But I went back to the very long bookshelf that has nothing but books on illusions. I found my Victory Carton Illusions book. Went through it, and I found a dog vanish and a Victory doll house, but not a Victory dog house. And the dog vanish had nothing to do with what I was trying to do. And the doll house was a completely different kind of an illusion. It's the one we turned into a haunted house. So apparently that's not where I got the idea. Uh, I think I got, well, I pretty much made up the idea from what I had available to work with, but I made a doghouse that out of corrugated cardboard that fit neatly into that uh, little inset in the footstool. I probably painted the inside of it flat black just because that's what I did with almost everything. And I painted the outside of it, I don't know, I don't remember, brown. I wanted it to look like a doghouse. But I made a little house and I probably put Fido on the front or something like that. Rover, I don't know. As I say, this was a very long time ago. I was in the Boy Scouts, and I know that because I performed this trick once and only once, and it was at the Boy Scout meeting 
which was at the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, basically the Mormon Church. And they were great sponsors of our scout troop. So I did my regular show, which probably included linking rings and maybe uh, maybe the ball and vase trick, and the square circle, whatever tricks I was doing back then. Then I ended with this magic doghouse, which I showed empty by taking it apart, I suppose. Anyway, I definitely showed it empty and then said the magic words and then reached inside and pulled out this incredibly cute little puppy. And I said, who would like to have it? And some people raised their hands. I made sure that the parents of the person who got the dog were okay with it. And they were okay with it. I think the first trick I ever did with a live animal was the magical production of a cute little puppy dog, which I gave away. Now, Blackstone was known to sometimes produce a cute little rabbit and give it away, although other times he changed that rabbit into a box of chocolates, uh, I guess so he didn't have to tour with a company of rabbits, and so that the parents didn't have to be upset that all of a sudden they had a rabbit. And I suppose I could have had a box of chocolates as a backup if the parents wouldn't let them take the rabbit. I mean, <laughs> I mean the dog. It's so traditional for a magician to use a rabbit, but I know I did not use a rabbit in my act when I was a teenage magician. But I did at least one time use a live puppy dog. The first time I performed with a live bunny rabbit was actually when I became Mr. Seat, the magician with a vision. And if you look back into a past episode, you'll find an entire episode about my being Mr. Seat for TSO, Texas State Optical. We went to the, I guess it was a hardware store uh, that, that happened to sell rabbits. It wasn't a pet store as such. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Point is, I looked for a bunch of cute little old bunnies, and Iris the eye bunny was supposed to be a white bunny. It was okay to have black ears. So I picked out a little bitty uh, bunny rabbit, and that became Iris the eye bunny. And I remember the first time I performed it, was not exactly an audition. I think I had already been hired because I already had the costume and so on. But the woman who was responsible for the three of us, who were all Mr. Seats, was there to watch to see how I was doing, if the show was good enough yet. And it was the first time I had used the bunny rabbit, the first time I had done the Mr. Seats show. I wanted to be sure the rabbit was comfortable, so I made sure to give the rabbit a nice drink of water while we were waiting to perform. And the trick that we used as Mr. Seat was called the 3D bunny box. And it was a small box that you showed empty and then took a little slate out and drew a picture of a rabbit and put that rabbit picture inside and then said the magic words. Actually, we had a crank that went grang, 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 grang. We ran the crank and did some magic things and then when we opened up the box, the cute little live bunny rabbit came out. The 3D bunny box, the 2D picture of a rabbit turned into a genuine 3D rabbit. And then uh, the rabbit would twitch his nose and hunker down on the top of the table. And the kids would line up and the kids would get to pet the rabbit and then go back. That's not the story of this first show. The first show, I did everything right and I picked up the rabbit, and he sprayed rabbit pee all over the place. 
and I learned that although you do need to take care of your animals and it is important to give them enough water, it's better to give them water after the show instead of right before the show. And I don't recall that ever happening again. I did decide that we would give them a little bite of carrot as a special treat after every show. Iris the Eye Bunny learned that. We did over 500 shows over about three years, I think. And I really enjoyed Iris the Eye Bunny. Iris the Eye Bunny lived a very long time. Rabbits in captivity, particular here in Texas, where it's so hot and where there are lots of dogs outside. It's not safe for a rabbit. It's certainly not likely for a pet rabbit to live very long. But Iris lived for years and did, as I said, did over 500 shows. And when they finally shut down the Mr. See It program, I took Iris to the vet just to make sure she was okay. And the vet said, uh, you know, this is a male rabbit, right? And I said, what? Because as it turns out, rabbits' organs are rather concealed. You don't immediately see whether it's a male or a female, and it hadn't really occurred to us, nor was it uh, an issue as to whether the rabbit was really Iris the Eye Bunny or not. But at this point, I couldn't call her Iris the Eye Bunny because in the first place, she's not a she, she's a he now. No, this wasn't a trans rabbit. It was just a rabbit that was misdiagnosed at birth, although I suppose that makes, well, never mind. I decided to call the rabbit Bonkers because John Renoni, who performed as Bonkers the Clown, was the first Mr. See It, and he and I had become friends, and he was in Dallas, I was in Austin, so it wasn't competing with him. And so Iris the Eye Bunny became Bonkers the Bunny and continued performing for a number of years and hundreds more shows. When we started the Magic Camp in 1993, oh, and I should give some context, the Mr. See It program was 1986, 87, 88. And so Iris the Eye Bunny I got in 1986, and I still had Bonkers the Bunny, the same bunny, in uh, 1993 when I started the Fantastic Magic Camp. And so for the summer, whenever we were having Magic Camp sessions, Bonkers the Bunny would live at Magic Camp. I mean, they would, you know, bring the cage and everything. And of course, the kids loved him, and I still performed with him using the 3D bunny box. But I wasn't Mr. Seat anymore. We changed the nature of the routine. It was a lot of fun performing with Bonkers. And I was about, I was talking about the fact that rabbits in captivity don't usually live very long. Pet rabbits in Texas uh, are, are lucky to last a year or two, whereas Bonkers lasted for more than a decade. And sometimes I'll explain to the kids why I think he lived a long time. In the first place, he had a really nice place to live. We had gone to one of the mega pet stores and purchased the fanciest, nicest rabbit cage that we could get. We put that next to the television set in the den, which means that the rabbit lived in air conditioning. And the rabbit, we, even though rabbits can be litter trained, we don't like to keep them loose in the house because they also like to chew up things like electrical cords. And so we would take uh, bunkers out and let him sit with us on the couch while we watch TV and that sort of thing. But for most of his life, if he wasn't working, he was in this big, nice, beautiful cage with 
lots of uh, straw and water and the correct kind of rabbit food. So he had a very nice place to live with lots of stimulation and uh, lots of human contact. And then he ate well. Now I'll ask the kids, what do rabbits like to eat? And they'll say carrots. And although that's true, it's more of a cartoon thing that they created for Bugs Bunny than it really is the thing of that's what rabbits eat. And as a matter of fact, if rabbits eat just carrots, they get very sick and probably die. I let kids know you may like eating candy bars, but if that's all you eat, you get very sick and probably die. And so the rabbit had a very good diet. He ate real good quality rabbit food, but after each show, he got a little bit of a treat. And it's okay for kids after they do something to get a little bit of a treat. If he did get sick, he went to the doctor. What do you call a doctor that takes care of animals? A vet, a veterinarian, and the kids know that, and they'll tell me that. And it was funny because the first time the, the veterinarian, the doctor said, I don't treat rodents. Well, wait, it's a rabbit. It's not a rodent. Well, I think it's a rodent. But then once the vet, vet realized how long he was living and how famous this rabbit was with his photo in the paper and all of that, uh, he decided, yeah, it would be okay to take care of him. And so that's another reason that the rabbit lived a long time, Bonkers lived a long time, because if he did get sick, he went to the doctor. That's what everybody should do. Oh, and he always wore a seatbelt. That makes the kids laugh because the idea of building in a rabbit sounds kind of funny. But of course, the rabbit was in one of those pet carriers that we also got at the pet store. He liked his job, so all I had to do was open up the pet carrier, put it down in his cage, the rabbit would hop right in, or scurry right in, and we closed it up. Then I'd put that in the passenger seat of the car and put the shoulder harness seatbelt over that pet carrier. And as a result, if I had to stop quickly, which sometimes you do, the pet carrier didn't go slamming into the windshield, which could have hurt the rabbit, could conceivably, in a bad accident, have broken the windshield, there are so many things that could have gone wrong, but no, Bonkers the bunny always wore his seatbelt, and that's another reason he stayed safe. And then when we get to the show, we get everything set up, I'd open up the table, I'd open up the bunny box, then I'd put the pet carrier on one side of the table, open up the door, and the rabbit would scurry right into the secret compartment of the bunny box and squench himself in so that he was ready for the show. And... Uh, Typically, it was the last trick we did. I already told you, it's really exciting when the rabbit comes out, particularly if you've just fed the rabbit a lot of water. But again, we weren't doing that anymore. And the rabbit really loved it. He loved being petted by the kids and then getting a carrot. And so what I would tell you is, if you have a nice place to live, if you eat intelligently and allow yourself a treat from time to time, if you go to the doctor when you're sick, if you always wear your seatbelt, but most important of all, if you find a job that you love, you'll probably live a long time too. And I've had a job I loved all my life. I've been a magician for 74 years, full time since 1986. And I just celebrated my 80th birthday and I hope to have many more to come. So that's the story of Bunkers the Bunny. Next week, I'll tell you more stories about magic with animals, including Harry Houdini Hamster. 
I'm Kent Cummins. Join us next time for more tales from the Fantastic Magic Center. And if you'd like even more information, well, join us on our website, fantasticmagiccenter.com.